Welcome to the Equine Connection Podcast, where health, nutrition, and love for the horse come together. This podcast is brought to you by Tribute Superior Equine Nutrition. I'm Dr. Chris Mortensen. And I'm Dr. Nicole Rambo. Welcome back, Nicole. How's everything back in Ohio? Things are good here, Chris, and I kind of think we have a good logical progression going on in these last couple podcasts. We talked about minis last week, and they definitely fall under this category of easy keeper, which is what we're talking about this week. It, I know. It's perfect. And thank you for doing the lead-in. That is, that is so great. <laughs> it, it, and, and they are. Those, those miniature horses are easy keepers, but we see this across a lot of different breeds and a lot of different horse types. So just to kind of start off, how would you define as a nutritionist, you know, what do you define as an easy keeper? It's funny you ask that because even though we throw around these terms like easy keeper, hard keeper a lot, there's no true definition for that. I mean, I did not have a nutrition class where they were like, okay, so this is what it means for a horse to be an easy keeper. Here's the scientific definition. There isn't one. And depending on your background and the type of horses that you feed, sometimes this, you know, swings a little bit what your definition is. If you're used to feeding horses who have really high energy demands and it's totally normal for you to feed 10 pounds of concentrate a day, hopefully split in two meals. If you have a horse in a barn who only needs four pounds, you're like, wow, that one is such an easy keeper. Where if you're used to the horse who only eats a pound of ration balancer and is still fat and you have one that requires four pounds, you're like, oh my God, I have to feed that one so much feed. So sometimes I think we get a little lost in the definition because it means different things based on your background. But today, how we're going to define easy keeper is a horse that maintains its body condition on its forage. So it is at a healthy or even maybe a little bit higher than desired body condition just from forage. And all we're thinking about is how do we fill in the additional gaps? We don't need to provide additional calories in their diet. It it is such a wide definition, you know, what's an easy keeper, but I I, I think that's a good uh, way you put it. Now, how would this differ across different breeds of horses or even the sex of the horse. You know, I know there's some situations I'm thinking of, but don't we tend to see trends? Like, cause last week we talked about miniature horses. They tend to be easy keepers, like almost all of them. Do we see that across other breeds and types of horses? Oh, absolutely. I think when I think about easy keeper and there are definitely individuals in the easy keeper and the hard keeper breeds, if you will, that buck this trend because they're horses and nothing will ever be that consistent. But in general, you know, I think about ponies. Um, I think about some of kind of those traditional hardier breeds, Morgans, for example, especially the older types, not necessarily like the Um, more show type Morgan of today, but a lot of those were easier keepers. A lot of your quarter horses, but you do see some variance in there depending on kind of the discipline that they were aimed towards. So certainly your smaller ranchier type quarter horses tend to be easy keepers. But if you add a hunt seat quarter horse who probably has a lot of thoroughbred blood, much Mm -hmm. less of an Mm -hmm. easy keeper. The draft types and draft crosses, again, tend to be easy keepers. When you think about harder keepers, you're thinking about 
your hotter types of horses. And part of that comes down to basal metabolism. So the number of calories required just to exist certainly differ between, let's say, your average thoroughbred, particularly if they're relatively young and off the track, versus your you know, 14 hand, real stocky quarter horse type. The number of calories required for them just to be alive because of the differences in their basal metabolism, the thoroughbred's going to generally be higher. And then on top of that, you tend to see some breed type differences in level of activity. So if you were to put a pedometer on my thoroughbred versus, you know, the older horse that I have, who's an appendix, mostly quarter horse type thing, he's great. That thoroughbred, he probably walks five more miles per day than that quarter horse type who just puts his head down and eats. Like there's some differences in just (laughs) natural activity levels that go into that as well. And then you see some differences. Um, Certainly if you compare stallion and breeding season to a gelding, you probably see differences in their calorie needs, things like those. Oh yeah, those stallions are crazy up and down the the fence line, you know, letting the world know they're there. And then even mares, you know, mares during estrus can be a little bit more high strung and and a little bit more active. So that could be just a time of year where they're burning a little bit more calories. All great uh, examples. I you did kind of mention it, but maybe it's worth revisiting. Why are these horses easy keepers? I know you, you know you did talk about breed differences and stuff, but physically, you know. Why are they different? So I think a lot of that goes down to, I mean, difference in their basic metabolism. So part of it is what we've selected them to do. So their muscle fiber types, uh, for example, a horse who was designed to do a really um, strength type job, like think the draft horse who was pulling really heavy loads and things like way back when those horses would have developed the muscle fiber types for strength versus the horse who is developed to run really fast over short distances, like the thoroughbred, their physiology is actually quite a bit different because they were selected for a different frame size and a different type of muscle fiber. All of that goes into, again, the basic metabolism. And that's just, I mean, what is the energy cost for doing your basic functions? It's going to differ between those critters. Then we have those additional things like natural level of work, if you will, you know, the horse who is out there being a busybody instead of just focusing on eating. And then on top of that, you add in what is their job. So you certainly see differences in horses who have really intense jobs versus ones who might do less intense jobs. And oftentimes there's kind of a breed component of what was a horse genetically selected to do makes a difference on what they are ultimately used to do. Now, what are concerns? Now, this could be a long list. I was thinking of all the different uh, situations with easy keepers and and things uh, we should be worried about. Well, what are some of the top ones? You know, again, as a nutritionist, when you hear easy keeper, you know, you're, you're going through and you're advising clients, you know, what are some of your concerns with them? I will tell you, I personally would much rather feed a hard keeper than an easy keeper. I actually think especially if you have nice pasture as part of your program, it can be challenging to feed an easy keeper. An easy keeper who maintains their weight on just forage, 
and a ration balancer is great if they stay in the healthy range. They're really inexpensive to feed. Life is good. But a lot of times we find these horses don't just maintain their weight on forage. A lot of times they are overweight on forage and we have to think about limiting or managing the forage portion of their diet. And that that frankly becomes a bit more difficult. So we know that obesity, so excess body condition on horses, is going to increase their risk of developing metabolic syndrome. And metabolic syndromes are directly tied to increased risk of laminitis. And that's something that we definitely want to avoid at all costs. I mean, that at minimum is very painful for the horse and might limit its working career. And a really serious case of laminitis is going to lead to euthanasia. And there's a lot of, you know, things in between those. So it's definitely something we want to manage the horse early on to limit their risk because we know that fat is metabolically active. So having a horse who is overly conditioned, overweight, actually changes their metabolic process, which is what kind of sets off that cascade towards increased risk of insulin resistance and then laminitis. Other things to think about would be, you know, just the wear and tear of the horse. So they have these itty bitty little legs. Those don't get any stronger when we put more weight on. So we've just added more stress for them to do whatever it is that their job requires. And then on top of that, maybe we're not thinking about a horse who's doing some sort of job. It's not a riding horse. But we do know that overweight broodmares, their offspring have an increased likelihood of developing a developmental orthopedic disorder, specifically OCDs. So, you know, there's definite metabolic changes that are happening, not just in the horse itself, but even in their offspring because of excess weight. So that would be, I mean, the main thing that we are trying to avoid. And ideally, we're going to manage these horses throughout their life and not just get to the unfortunate place that I think happens where they are older and they've started to experience these issues and then we're trying to address it. Yeah, no, yeah, definitely those are those are major concerns with these horses and and owners run into them all the time. I know that's what you know, and they reach out to you. So when you do look at that and you do look here, I have an easy keeper. What are some of the things that that you go through in your mind uh, about feeding them, you know, approaching their forage and then approaching their concentrate? What are some of the strategies that that you employ? So the first thing I'm going to look at is current body condition. Is it a horse we would like to maintain their body condition? That's a lot more simple. Is it a horse that we would like to lose body condition? That becomes a little bit more difficult when we're talking about that true easy keeper. So like I said before, life is pretty good if they can just have free choice hay or lots of access to hay, lots of access to pasture and maintain that body condition score of five or six. For those ones, all we have to do are fill in the nutritional gaps. Those are going to be our amino acids, trace minerals, and vitamins. Because even if we are looking at just their weight and we say, check the box, we have to keep the rest of those nutrient cup full. The things that's going to be supporting are the immune system, muscle development, repair from injury. If any of those things happen, you want the horse to have those nutrients. And that's where your ration balancers come in. 
highly concentrated in nutrients, low calorie, low feeding rate. They are designed for the easy keeper. They have other applications as well, but this is exactly the horse we have in mind when putting together a ration balancer. So if we're going to call it an average size horse between, you know, 1,000 and 1,200 pounds, we're going to feed it one pound per day for that horse at maintenance who is an easy keeper just to maintain their weight. They're doing that through their forage and then fill in the gaps. Where things get a little bit more challenging is when we talk about the overweight easy keeper. So here, we don't want to cut the ration balancer. That's super low calorie, but all your nutrition. So I think a mistake that gets made is feeding less and less ration balancer, and you ultimately don't really see a change in body condition, but we're drawing that nutrient cup down so that when a horse experiences a stressor, they're less able to respond to it because they're undernutritioned, not from a calorie perspective, but from actual micronutrient perspective. So then we need to look at the forage portion of this horse's diet. Things I might think about for the easy keeper. If they're on a hay-only diet, what is the quality of that hay? Is it really nice, lots of alfalfa, super soft, you know, green, highly digestible, third-cutting, beautiful hay? Well, I might want to think about not a low-quality junky hay, but something that is not quite as energy-dense from a hay perspective. Maybe I can just take that step down to something that's a tiny bit stemmier, but still a clean, nice hay, grass type only generally, and that's going to cut some calories. If that's not enough, then I'm going to think about things weighing my forage, how much am I feeding. I'm going to feed between 1 and 1.5% to the overweight horse. So I'd like to maintain them on 1.5%. If I need to drop them down to 1% of their body weight for a short amount of time to stimulate weight loss, that is an option, but I like for people to exhaust other options first, which is looking at the type of hay, uh, incorporating exercise, some of those things before we drastically cut the forage. Because remember, forage is there to support the digestive system. That horse is designed to eat forage. And if we do that, it's only meant to be for a short amount of time that we really drop the total quantity of forage provided. I'm also going to think about things like slow feed nets, multiple small meals of forage each day, just in order to keep that digestive tract healthy while we're doing this. If pasture is part of it, and this is kind of a bit of a double-edged sword. So exercise is something we want these horses to have. We actually know that exercise improves insulin sensitivity, um, which is, you know, certainly a very beneficial thing. But a lot of times, pasture can be very nutrient dense, particularly in calories, and those horses will eat a lot of it. So I might think about a grazing muzzle is usually my number one recommendation when we're talking about limiting calories from pasture, because there is research that shows if you just limit the amount of time that a horse is out on pasture, usually they increase their rate of consumption. So if that horse used to go out for 12 hours a day and now you only turn it out for three hours a day, it is going to spend those three hours not exercising, not moving around. It's mostly going to put its head down and just go to town eating as much grass as possible. So those are kind of the things I think about for the overweight easy keeper. How do I still provide enough forage 
that were meeting their digestive tract's needs, but limiting the calories that come from that forage. No, oh, that was that was a great explanation, and and obviously you you have a lot of experience uh, dealing with these types of horses. Any other tips you can give owners on feeding easy keepers? <laughs> well, I do have one. Like I said, I, I love to feed yeah. my hard keepers more than my easy keepers. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, and one tip that I'll bring up, I actually talked about this, I think, in the end of the mini episode as well, is that if you are used to feeding hard keepers and you have an easy keeper, keep track and keep hold yourself responsible for the amount of forage that they're getting. I think it can be really easy to slowly let that creep up. So grabbing that scale and just making sure you're truly sticking to that restricted forage diet for those overweight horses, because it's easy to slowly creep from 10 pounds a day to 12 pounds to 13, and all of a sudden those calories add up. Uh, beyond that, I think about ways to keep the horse happy in it as well. So those would be things like slow feed nets or maybe treat enrichment balls, things like that, that horses, I mean, they get joy from eating. So even though from a health perspective, we really do need to be mindful of that. If we can think about how we manage them in a way that also keeps the horse happy, that's something to be mindful of at the same time. All, all great advice, Nicole. And, and thank you. It's, this is definitely one that I, I think a lot of people are going to get a lot out of because, you know, obviously we, we all run into these types of horses and, you know, this is our last episode of 2021. So it's been a great oh, yeah. year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 This this is, this is the last one. And I just want to thank our listeners so much for listening, for sharing the podcast Please on our Facebook or contact us. Uh, let us know any topics that you're interested in that we could address in a future podcast episode. Uh, that would be great for us. Um, and again, just to remind you, if you have any concerns about your own Easy Keeper, your feeding plan, you know, or strategies, and you need just a little bit of advice or help, please contact the tribute team. That link's always in the bottom of the show notes. But I just want to wish everyone a safe end to 2021, and we will see you in 2022. Thanks, Chris. Looking forward to it.